Welcome to the Champion School Podcast, where champions come to play. I know what you're thinking. What? Why don't we have another flashcard this week? Well, we're going to start getting some big interviews here. We're going to be mixing it up a bit, and this week, starting it out, I got a good friend of mine, Matt Burgandy, assistant coach down at University of San Diego. I can't wait for him to share his story. Have a great Monday. All right, guys, today we got a special treat. Uh, good friend of mine, Matt Burgandy, uh, really needs no introduction. He's kind of bounced around. He's been from the Bay Area originally. Uh, he's been at USD, and he's making a move into the coaching sector now uh, after some time uh, bouncing around at some colleges. He's actually uh, replacing me, which is probably a step up for the University of San Diego program. And uh, you know what? I'm just really happy to have him on. He's going to be talking to us uh, a little bit about the mental side, but a lot about his career and uh, give you guys a full lowdown on uh, what it means to be a Torero along with how it is to be, you know, in the college game. So, uh, Matt Burgandy, how you doing, man? I'm great, Ray. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, I really appreciate uh, Major League University having us out. I was talking to Coach Ungrich before this, and he felt a little left out. So I told him <laughs> I'd throw his name out there and drop him. Um, he said I should feel very honored that you reached out to me before him. So I just wanted to put that in there. Well, you can let Coach Ungrich know I gave him a call the other day, and he didn't return it. So... <laughs> Uh, tough to he's schedule a busy things. Man. <laughs> he's, he's a busy man. You know what? Tell him, listen to the podcast and maybe he'll, uh, <laughs> he'll get a feel for that. Uh, no, he's talking about coach Ungrich down there in San Diego. Uh, good mentor of mine. He bounced around at, uh, Stanford. He's a scout for the Cardinals and, uh, really, really good on the hitting side of things along with the catchers. And, and you used to be a catcher back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the his day. for the guys that don't know you. As, as well as I do. <laughs> go ahead and give them a little background. Uh, obviously, you're from the Bay Area. Um, where'd you go to school? I uh, went to Los Gatos High School up in Los Gatos, California. Uh, it's a nice little athletic town. Uh, loved it up there. Loved every second of it. Um, played baseball my whole life and growing up, too. So um, played there. Played varsity a lot. Um, I always was dealing with, like, lingering arm issues, which was kind of my life sentence. Yeah. Uh, Sadly to say, so um, I always threw really hard, did everything really sweet, so highly recruited out of there, um, went to USD, um, USD paid for a couple more of my arm surgeries, which I'm really thankful for, but yep. it, was a, it was a wonderful opportunity, I, I loved playing under Coach Hill, and just the amount of information you learn every day is just, it's astronomic compared to some other schools across the world where it's just so hands-on, and, and everything's tailored towards you, so he, he really makes you a better human being first before he makes you a better player. Um, after that, I had to kind of part ways, um, dealing with injury. You don't see a live pitch for two and a half years. It's kind of hard to step in and watch 94 go right by you three times and walk back to the dugout. Yep. So it was a great time. I went to a junior college, went to Mission Junior College in the Bay Area. I was only there for a couple months. And then I got a scholarship at Fresno Pacific, a little D2 out in Fresno. They're nationally ranked for a while. And another great place to go, man. Um, that's one thing I think. I'm going to touch on that real quick. Everyone talks about like D1 or bust. No, man. Like if you're playing college baseball, you're part of that 1% that you look around in your high school roster and there's only one of you. It's either you or your buddy that make it out. So it's a great accomplishment no matter what. So I got to play there and caught there, started behind the plate there my first year. And um, I'll never forget, I was thrown to third and in and out. And 
the national cross checker for the Blue Jays <laughs> pulled me aside. He's like, Brigandy, man, you're hitting like a wet newspaper right now. I'll pay you more to pit. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, man, it's not really a bad idea. So I got on the mound. I started throwing pretty well, throwing hard. And pitched my senior year and kind of had like this nice mantra around me. I thought I was the bee's knees. It was, it was a weird change of pace. Um, so then I got to deal with the Minnesota Twins kind of late the end of summer. And then right before I went to spring training, I decided to throw some live ABs for my buddies and tore everything in my elbow. Mm. So wild. I was like, you know what, God, you're testing me right now, but I think I think I know what you're saying. So then I jumped into coaching. I've been coaching the last four years. Uh, I was at Mission Junior College as a pitching coach. Then I went to San Francisco State as the volunteer assistant two years ago and did catching and hitting. I uh, worked under Tony Schifano there, Matt Allison, Cam Rowland, Wayne Franklin was there. Um, this is a great staff. And then I came over, went back to the homeland, as we like to say, over at USD, and um, had Ray McIntyre as my mentor <laughs> last year. And uh, now I sadly am filling his shoes. And we miss him. We miss you very much every day, Ray. But, uh, yeah, I love it, man. It's It's been awesome so far. You know, I miss being out there too, but – you know, life happens sometimes, and like you said, sometimes God just, you know, steps in and, and makes different plans for you, and here we are, so. Uh, yeah, exactly. Wild. We're still here. How many, so how many arm surgeries did you really have? <laughs> Four. Four. <laughs> yeah, I had a, I tore my labrum super early my junior year, but I never said anything, because, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I already had my offer to a couple big schools, and USD already offered, so I was like, sweet, let's just play it off. Um, and then when they'd come out and watch me play, they were wondering why I was DHing. So yeah. I was like, ah. So I figured it out. I was able to play. Um, then my senior year, I toured again. I toured even worse. I toured um, all of it. And these are both you know, in high school, kind of, right? These are both in high school. Jeez. Before, yeah, I was throwing a lot. I, I mean, not even going to go into stats and numbers because I sound like a I'm full of myself. He was a dude. I was, I was doing, I was doing very well. I was, I was throwing freakishly hard for my age. Um, so then I tore up my senior year. Um, I started off really. High. I was batting like 480 my senior year, and then um, tore my labrum. And then when I got to USD, I found out I had nerve damage starting in my neck, so I couldn't feel my right hand. I couldn't move my fingers. So I got thoracic outlet surgery uh, in my neck. So I got this huge gash on my neck. But um, it's becoming more of a prevailing injury. I know a couple guys in the Mets have had it. And then um, my last one was basically the same frozen nerve surgery in my elbow with the UCL and um, another frozen shoulder surgery where they just broke up all the scar tissue, normal tissue, cut some muscle in my right shoulder. And, and now I'm throwing BP four hours a day, and I am so happy that I did it. So I can, I'm able to do my job every day. Yeah, it, it gets hard enough. You're throwing BP with a clean arm. Uh, you know, you're, you're out here doing it four surgeries later. It's pretty impressive, to be honest. Hey, man, it, it, you just, it's not about you. I mean, I catch myself sometimes, and, and it's bad. We do this drill for two strikes, and I get back into that pitcher mode. Yep. And Coach Ungrich just gives me a hard time. Like, hey, come on, Brigani. Like, I'm just snapping dragons off. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it. It's gross. Yeah. Between, between you and Coach Floor. Uh, I mean, Coach Floor is the pitching coach over there at USD too, and uh, they'd get you two up on the the mound for some coach pitch, and it was more like Coach Bullpen sometimes. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think that first time we did the our we have the best analytics crew in the nation. Yes, with Henry Jones and Ryan Farron, and um, they did the math 
my fastball was 115 to 121 miles an hour, <laughs> and Coach Flores was 108 to 119 miles an hour or something like that. So it was very much a, a me drill instead of <laughs> – it was bad. It was one of those moments you just go through it and it's fun and you're learning. And but it, those those days were fun. They're long behind me. I'm too old for that now. I was gonna but. say, have you guys done that since? Yeah, we do it with uh, Coach Troop and Coach Floor. Um, they have a new approach at it this year. It's so funny. They just they just flip curveballs. Yeah. I mean, so slow. It looks like we're recruiting t-ballers, and then they'll just sneak a fastball in it. The calculations would be like 85, but it looks like a million and so. Oh yeah. And it's awesome. No, but it, it's been great this year. We've been doing a lot of just heavy jugs, jugs machine. That thing is the most accurate, firm, true spin rate fastball that you can get. So we've been doing a lot of that, and just live VP, and then coach pitch, man. We're getting after it this fall. We've been lucky. That's the coach pitch. You can't replicate that. You know, you're getting no. so many reps. It's wild. Uh, oh, yeah. Hey, so how's the transition been? Uh, you're coming back to USD. Uh, this is the, you know, I loved that school. And San Diego itself is a beautiful place. You got your brother down there too. So the family's involved. How's it been getting back? You were there last year as director of player development, uh, an unpaid position, uh, and then uh, in an uncoaching position. And the, yeah, and then which you, is the hardest part. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The NCAA rules crack down on that. You can't say much. Uh, me as a former op guy, you know, I did the same thing. You can't say anything to any of the players, but you're working behind yeah. the scenes so much. And now you're stepping into another unpaid position, uh, but in the coaching role. Great. And, and on top of that, you're coaching the outfielders. So mm -hmm. uh, first of all, how's it been getting back on the field? And secondly, how's it been working with outfielders for the first time, I'm guessing, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's been, it was weird because normally most people's coaching careers, they start in kind of an ops role, then they move up to a coaching role. And I did two years of full position coach recruiting everything before that. I was recruiting at San Francisco State. I was recruiting at Mission College. I, was, I mean, at San Francisco State, I was helping with the scholarship amount. Like I was doing it all. I was just helping Cam Rowland trying to learn and helping Coach Afano. And and then all of a sudden I get, I get to USD my first job and I was told I, I can't say anything. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's weird. I mean, it's this weird, like, you know what they're doing, but you just kind of like look at coach floor and you're like, do you see it? And he's like, yeah. And then he goes over and talks and yep. I mean, that's just how it is. And, and you just have to respect the rule. Um, people get in trouble and they think they're better than it and just try to, well, no one's watching. So I'm just going to say this, but I, I, I never want to break a rule when it comes to NCAA, the, uh, the stipulations and punishments and, and it's too much. So I, I told myself, you know what, Matt, if, if you can just shut up for a year and, and you can talk the next 45 to 60 years of your coaching, it's going to be okay. Yeah. So I found myself doing that. And so it's, it's been a, it's been fun. You know, it's been the biggest weight lifted off my shoulders knowing that I can say whatever I want coaching related and help get our guys better and help our guys get stronger to the inside pitch and outside pitch and stay with our approach and just barrel balls over the Fowler Park scoreboard. Mm -hmm. And it just, it makes me feel better. Knowing that, like, I don't have to, like, look around and be like, where's Coach Floor at? Like, I see something, so I'm going to whisper in his ear, and maybe he sees it too, and we can talk about it and help the player. But, like, I can just go right up to Chase Mydrod and say, hey, man, you're getting a little spinny right now. Like, you need to stay through the ball, Dale, and you need to crush this thing. And then he does it, and it, it's awesome. Like, that's that's the greatest thing as a coach, too, when you see some some little thing, and you're like, hey, man, like, this is this is just what I see. Like, I'm not, I'm not the best. Like, I'm not the worst. But 
this is just what I see with my concrete information and how I've seen coaching the rest of my life and how I've watched players try this out. And then it works, and it's like, sweet, okay, perfect. Positive reinforcement, guy's going to go get better, and he's fun. To the outfield thing, I love it, man. Yeah? I, it's crazy because it's like I've pitched, I've caught, and it's like as a as a catcher, you're moving guys, you're seeing guys, you're watching reactions, and, and as a pitcher, you're applauding them when they catch it, and when they mess up, you get, you get mad at them. So yeah. I've had the whole circle of it. But um, frankly, I think that my whole philosophy on coaching is don't, don't recreate the wheel. I mean, it's been rolling ever since God created this thing. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason to try to say, has it, hey, as an outfielder, we're going to do this sweet launch angle throw. Yeah. Like, no. We're going to throw the ball 10 feet off the ground the whole way. It's going to long hop right into the back. We're going we're gonna to see the ball down when we go to field it. We're going to field it outside of our glove side knee and work through it and come up and through. So it hasn't really been a hard transition to me. Um, the one thing the guys are getting used to are my six and a half second pop-ups that I hit. Oh uh, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> they're, they're they're getting it up there and they're they're working through the ball and you know what they're having a great time. Um, it's been such an honor to coach outfield. I think that's one thing when you think about coaching as a career, everyone's ideal job at the end of the day is to be a head coach one day. Yep. And if you if you haven't coached at all, how are you going to coach a whole team? Um, that's one thing I've really prided myself on as being a pitching coach, a hitting coach. I was a head coach for the last summer in San Diego League. We got second place. and um, Just being able to keep rounding. Yeah, first place the first just year. Saying. Assistant, just right? saying. Yeah. Um, you just got to round yourself out. It's the same thing as you're a player. Mm-hmm. Like no one wants a one-dimensional player. I mean, I can't tell you how many guys I get videos of that just mash. They got pretty swings. They're 6'4", 225. They got long hair. They hit a home run, and then they go to field the ground ball, and the first – ground ball in the video they botch or they miss it and it's like oh man positionless player what are we gonna do with you like it's the same thing with a coach when, when you're looking at a coach one day in the future like for athletic directors it's like okay what has he done like where does he come from what's their record um does he know what he's talking about does he have players that respect him what's what's kind of the vibe around him does does he understand outfield play does he understand info play like and so th- there's many things and it's all about becoming a better person every day and what can you do to become a better coach and I love it, man. I think the opportunity is great. I always joke with Coach Ungridge, like, and then I've been working with the first baseman every once in a while too. So it's just, great. and I played first. So it's, it's just the the more you add to your resume, I mean, it's the same thing as a player. So I love it. It's it's been such an amazing opportunity every day, and it's a blast. It's it's honestly a blast to watch Cam Vasquez lay out for balls and just be like, no, we need to record that and put that to Sports Center. That one was better than, but yeah, it's it's been awesome. That's yeah, it's. It's such a weird transition, and I did it because I was going from an infielder, you know, a, a highly defensive-minded infielder, uh, and the idea of Coach Hill calling me and, and kind of giving me the rundown on the position the first year uh, and him going, you know, how, how are you with the outfielders? And I don't know, Coach, but I'm sure I could learn it, you know? <laughs> but yeah. how much can you add, you know, and bring to the table in the same way with all these young position players? And you'd brought it up about the guys that rake and are positionless. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to really really crush to to Oh yeah. You got to crush and be hidden in right field. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah. There's something special about it just a hitter when every team comes up and part of their offensive plan is, "Hey man, hit it hit it to right." Yeah. Where can we Expose hide? Expose that guy. <laughs> yeah, cuz he's going to come up and he's going to go 3 for 4 today. Yeah. Okay. And he's going to get 3 RBI. So we're going to let up 3 runs, but we need to get 4 runs out of him. So it's 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 kind of an oddity and it, and it sucks, but 
Every once in a while you get a kid that just rakes, and you're just like, all right, he's going to play. Like, yeah. Where is he going to play? Yeah, those guys, and and they're, they come up a lot. And you'll see them, and I'm not trying to – it's not a knock on D2 guys, but that's kind of – or D2 or JC and stuff. That's where those guys start to transition, you know. Um, oh, yeah. D1 has that luxury of, okay, like he hits – but he can pick it. Like I'm gonna go with that guy over the guy that just rakes. Um, do you feel? Yeah, that's, that's what I noticed too. Like when I when I went to D2, I was I was a power hitting defensive catcher. I, I think those were kind of my things. And so um, when I was when I said the Blue Jays guy say hang a wet newspaper, I was I was two for 32 with 21 lineouts. <laughs> it, and it was the funniest thing because I, I was I would talk to like the Orioles cross checker after the game and he was like dude you're you're crushing the ball just it's two people like your stats don't reflect this our analytics staff doesn't see it like I've watched you play every game like I had a game where I went robbed home run line out to center line out to third yeah and then I was pulled and uh, I'm just sitting there like oh my gosh what am I doing with my just life can't get like, the knock <laughs> but yeah I I had teammates um I'm not gonna name drop them but. I had one guy that hit nukes, absolute nukes. But every year he was at a new position. Yeah. And I was just like, come on, man. Like, and they all were like, well, I could have gone Division One, but I'm like, yeah, but you couldn't play defense. That's that's a big thing. Yeah. What position? Like, you got to do it both. Four hole. <laughs> yeah, and he was. He was. The dude raked, but it was like, what? When you went off to summer ball, where'd you play? Oh, you know what? They're like, I wanted to save my arm, so I played DH. I'm like, well. Sure. Not, yes. No. But not great. That that is right. We we have a luxury. I mean, we're we're very lucky. We we have plenty of guys who rake. Yeah. And then they also are really good defensively. I mean, there's there's kids too that we've even got that were defensive minded players, and now they're hitting well. Mm-hmm. Um, so to the the younger crowd that's listening to this, like you got to work on your craft, man. It's not a one sided sport. I mean, it's not a element of surprise when you get to the major leagues and all of a sudden you just see like. Vlad Jr. hitting a bomb. That dude also plays defense. Yeah. yeah, it's not highly evaluated and it's not talked about a lot, but that dude's good defensively. Mm-hmm. And then you got like a guy like Bo Bichette, another young guy. That dude picks it at short. He absolutely picks it. He's got a cannon and he hits bombs. Yep. Big and league shortstops, that's a different animal now, dude. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's there's a guy that we watched every day this summer. Um Myself and uh, Will Gaines, he's our director of operations. A legend. Also my best friend. He's a legend. That dude, the best mustache in the world, if you guys were wondering. He's a, um, he was a groomsman in my wedding. I mean, this is a, a G. <laughs> yeah, he, Willie G for a reason. Yep. Um, this kid, Gabriel Arias, he was traded to the Indians, but he was the best shortstop I've ever seen in my entire life. And this dude was crazy. He'd pick everything. Everything was a 92-mile-an-hour throw to first base, right on the chest. He could throw from every arm slot. There was no such thing as out of his range, and he hit. So when you're a younger player, I remember growing up, my father would always talk to me. Like, every day I got home from school, I was hitting in the backyard. It wasn't mandated. It wasn't forced. That's just how it was. I remember one day I was 13 years old, pouring rain. And I just came inside, and my dad was like, do you understand there's a 13-year-old Dominican player who's hitting right now in the rain? And I was like, oh, well, that's my competition. So then I went out in the rain. I got sick. I have a bad immune system. But I got sick and <laughs> did all that. But it, it's like when you, when you guys are playing at home and you're a young guy and you're trying to get into college baseball, like you're if you want to be great, you're not competing against the junior that started last year. 
you're competing against a dude in double A that just got paid a million six. Oh yeah. So that that's where you gotta aim. Yeah, thanks for the bronchitis, Dad. <laughs> I already got a bad immune system. So I just, yeah, sorry I got the flu. My my father told me that I wasn't good enough. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't think that he ever that, he never told you you weren't good enough, but he's the guy and, and I, I haven't met him. I heard he's a legend. But he's the guy that's going to tell you, you know, you're, you call him up and you go, I'm not playing. And he goes, well, you're not working hard enough, you know? Oh, yeah. That's exactly how it was. I remember he was there. Um, I had a meeting with the Nationals. And he was there one day. And it was just because, like, yeah, we really like him as a pitcher. And my dad's like, well, what can he do better? It's like, <laughs> well, we wouldn't be in this meeting if I wasn't doing something right. Yeah. Like, let's start there. And then all of a sudden the list went on. It's like, cut your hair lose five pounds and then that's all i heard about i'm like hey dad i pitched well today he's like well how's your hair look (laughs) thanks appreciate Uh, it like well so obviously you've bounced around a lot uh you've been at d2 jc's and a jc Mm -hmm. and obviously d1 uh you haven't been to a d3 have you no i I, (laughs) haven't had the full gambit no no i i've uh i've really wanted to stick to d1 and jc i think that's kind of where my path has led me so for these guys uh, and we're in such a crazy time obviously covid and then and all the guys getting a year back and um draft got cut down majorly it's probably going to be cut down you know for the long to haul 20 rounds yeah is that official uh it's not official but that's what i've been hearing word on the street. i mean it, you never know the word on the street these days has been so different i know like, 20 rounds 15 rounds 10 rounds like the guy to ask would be Coach Ungrich. He probably knows way more than I do. Well, he's got the inside scoop with all the scouts. But uh, as far as yeah, that's true. Yeah, those the rounds are cut down. Baseball is harder than ever to get in. There's, it's the most played sport, roughly in the world, potentially other than soccer, if we're going to go that way. But um, yeah. you know, so these guys are are trying to get to the D1 level. Obviously, a majority of them. But if they don't, you know, there's all these options out there. Um, what are you telling the kid that is maybe a fringe D1 guy? His, his goals are set at these big schools of a UCLA, Arizona, USD, like these major programs. What are you telling him when when he's coming up to you? And, you know, you're, you're not going to say he's not good enough, but do you have advice for that guy? Yeah, I mean, you, you can just tell him that, like, dude, the, the division doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I've seen so – oh, I've seen so many schools, like in fall ball, like a D2 play a D1, and then the D2 just rolls them. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a list of D2s that would just destroy D1s. So, I mean, it doesn't matter where you go. I mean, the, 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 the reason why I feel, I feel very kind of passionate about that is because in high school, I had scouts. Okay, I'm going to say this about something egotistical. At high school, I had scouts. When I was at USC, there were scouts. And then when I played at Fresno Pacific, a D2 in the middle of the ghetto, I had scouts. Yep. So it doesn't matter where you play at. They're going to find you. It's not even they're going to find you. It is just all word of mouth. I mean, if your goal is to play at the next level, put yourself in a position so you can keep playing. Yes. I mean, there's nothing worse than seeing that. You see a, like a fringe guy. Let's talk about a fringe Division One player, and you see him go to a Division One, and, and he just sits for three years. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he plays his senior year, and it's like, hey, man, like that piece of paper you got at the end, that scholarship, and – like everything was worth it, and this diploma is really going to help you in your accounting job. But your dream is a professional player. Let's say that guy goes to a top-level D2, and he plays for three years. He bats over 300 or whatever numbers he wants, and then he gets picked out of that. Yeah. 
I mean, last year, UC San Diego is getting guys picked. Before Dixie State D1, they would get guys picked. I mean, the D2 World Series is extremely comp- or, uh, like competitive. Yeah. I mean, it's all about where you go and, like, how you put your efforts into it. Like, yeah, like, you know what? As a Division One coach, I'm extremely proud. I'm extremely proud of every single player we recruit because it's the opportunity they get to talk to us so they're getting some some form of acknowledgement. Like, hey, you're a really good player. Like, we, we expect you to play at the next level. This is why we're calling you. But there's also Division Twos. Like, Fresno Pacific won – the D2 Christian, they were in their own little thing for a little bit, but the D2 Christian National Championship for two years in a row. Yep. And, I, I mean, that's still a national championship. They're natty champs. Like, yep. how many how many other schools can say that? I mean, you can go to a Division One and I'm not going to say names. And, and you know what? We, we, we're probably a part of that, too, right now. We, we, and it's like, are you proud of going to the middle-of-nowhere school at the North-South region Division One? Are you proud of going to like Fresno Pacific Division Two? Right. Are you proud of going to Azusa Pacific? They're a huge powerhouse. I've watched Azusa Pacific play Cal Bap when I was a close game. Oh, they're real. Azusa's real. Oh, they're they're crazy. Yeah. They have a dude this year that's going to get drafted. Watch, he hits nukes. Um, I pitched against him in summer ball five years ago when he committed to Cal Bap. Yep. And this, I, I threw a 96 mile an hour two seam inside, and this dude hit it. Hold on, I think I just landed. I think I just heard it land. <laughs> So, I mean, I mean, there's there's dudes everywhere. So I think, I think to that young player that, and and I hate saying this that that might be underdeveloped, that's not in their best physical physical shape yet, or undersized, or hits puberty a little late, or hasn't put up the numbers I want. It doesn't matter where you go, as long as you're playing. I mean, um, my twin brother, he went to USD too. He dealt with some injury late in his career, but he pitched and. And it's like his dream now. I mean, he, he's a very successful real estate agent. He loves life. But if you ask him, was USD a good fit? He's going to say yes for my career. But for baseball, he, yeah, maybe. But that's the thing. I mean, if USD was a great fit for me, yeah, I would have. If I wasn't hurt, I would have. Coach Hill was talking to me about it. I was catching all of our guys. I, I was ready to fill in the spot, man. I was, I was ready to come in and play, and it was a good fit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there, there's no different, like, how do I say this? Whatever level you play at is a huge accomplishment. Yeah. I think people take that for granted. I, I've When I was at Mission College and I go to recruit a kid, and he's 5'8", 165 pounds sopping wet, but he went 4 for 4, and he's telling me to my – and he's a second baseman. And he's telling me like, hey, I'm going D1. I don't want to go to junior college. Bleh. And then eight months later, he's on my team. I'm just like, hey, man. like, And he turned down good D2s. He, he turned down really good D2s. And I was at a junior college, and I'm like, come on, man. I'm like, what were you thinking? Like, junior college is great. That that route is for some people, and you, and I won't bang on it because it's like you get your general eds out of the way, and you get to play every day. Junior college, there's there's no restrictions for practice and games. That's uh, the Wild West, brother. <laughs> oh, total Wild West. My first year of coaching was nuts. It was, hey, man, we have four months to practice every day. Crazy. <laughs> Yeah, the NCAA, I'm used to 38 practices or something like that, and eight hours, then 20 hours, and here we're like, no, man, like, if practice sucks, we're running for three hours, and then we're restarting. Oh, it's, it it's, is it's nuts. There's, I mean, you're you're talking, we're going Saturday, Sunday, doubleheader, 20 yeah. innings a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, savage, but. You know, the the cool thing about that is you've been able to experience that at all levels. And like you had said, that happens more often than you think. You you get the kids that, um, you know, they have a high thought of themselves 
Uh, they think they're, you know, the guy at a D1. They just don't get the calls. And I'm sure right now a lot of them aren't getting calls because we have, I mean, what do you guys have, 41 guys over there right now? 40 something around there? 40. 38. 38. So yeah, you guys are a little lower than I'm sure some programs are. I mean, there's some programs out there that, you know, are, are up there in numbers. 44. Yeah, it's a lot because of the, the COVID deal. So, um, you know, I, the one thing I've been telling so many guys is you got to keep your options open. Um, you, oh, st- yeah. you burn one bridge with one coach and that coach might be your one ticket down the line, you know? So, um, yeah, keep your options open. Um, for as far as the D1, D2, JC, uh, can you give these guys a little bit of what the difference is? You know, maybe not the the level of play. It's all pretty similar. Uh, it's college baseball. Uh, but yeah. other than maybe the time commitment, what's the biggest difference between those three? I would say expectation. Okay. I think when you're dealing with a junior college, you kind of know what you're getting. Every team's got a couple freaks that are really good, but just not academic. And you got a couple kids that are really academic and pretty good, and then you got the academic kids that just want to play baseball because they love it. At the junior, at the the D two level, you have a lot of academic kids. There was a at San Francisco State, we had a very smart team, um, but they don't hold themselves to as high a standard. I think that was my issue. Um, everywhere I coached, I'd always ask players, "Well, what are you doing next year?" And at USD, it's like, "Oh, I'm going to sign. I'm going to sign." And at San Francisco State, it's like, well, you know what? I got this really sweet business internship this summer. So so the standards are different. They kind of just expect different. And then obviously, like you are saying, like the Division One level, the expectation of like, hey, man, we're, we're lifting, we're conditioning, we're running. You're going to study hall. You're also going to class. You're also going to need to meal prep and eat well or go to the student life pavilion and eat a healthy meal. And you got a training room and everything. So there, there's more to it. But I think it's the expectation. I mean – that was the hardest pill for me to swallow right after just imagine like losing your deal, your professional contract, getting surgery and then coaching at a junior college with kids that were like, you know what? Like I just got a skateboarding contract and I'm like, dude, I was throwing 95 like a month ago. Yeah. Like, do you want this as bad? Like I would give up my body to get in your body to throw to sign right now. Um, just the expectation. I mean, it is what you put into it. That's one big thing. And um, you just – my – sorry, I got to slide this in. No. You just can't have an ego. Yeah. You just can't. I think you got to realize, like, as a high school kid, like, if a Division two, three NAIA, JC, Division one coach is talking to you, it's because they see something special in you. Yeah. It's not because they're trying to fill a roster spot. If they wanted to fill a roster spot – I mean, we talk about it all the time. We can try. We can try our best. <laughs> we can take it. We can take – the random fraternity the student. <laughs> we can take him off the street, and you know what? I'll put him in an outfield drill, and he'll try so hard to long hop to the bag, and he might do it. And, he, and that's the best part. He might do it. But there's there's an opportunity somewhere for a coach talking to you. Mm-hmm. And if you want to keep playing, you, you've got to value that opportunity. I mean, I, I had so many buddies that were like soccer players. And, I mean, soccer, you can get a ton of scholarships in soccer because there's – there's a ton of players playing, and if you do something special, you're going to get a look at it. Same with baseball. If you have one tool, that's when people start looking at you. But, yeah, back to the whole division level in JC. Like, it's just it, – it's kind of what we expect. I mean, when a guy misses a ground ball with us, it's kind of like crickets for a second. Yeah. It's like, Shouldn't happen. 
<laughs> yeah, it just shouldn't happen. There should never be a bad it... hop. You should never have bad yes. feet. You should never watch strike three. <laughs> I mean, and that's the expect- expectation with us, too. Yep. Like today, when I was throwing batting practice, it's like, if it wasn't right down the middle, a kid was like, hey, what are you doing? Yep. And I'm like, oh, sorry, my bad. Yep. If I throw a curveball, that kind of just didn't do as much. And they were like, oh, that wasn't that good. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's it's the expectation. And I mean, it's that's why it's treated differently. That's why, like, the facilities are immaculate. That's why the gear is immaculate. That's why when we play on TV, it's immaculate. That's why we go to the College World Series this year in Omaha. I'd cross our fingers just because of COVID. We got a really good team this year. But it's going to be immaculate. Yep. All everything about Division One baseball is immaculate. And you know what? Even on the Division Two side, we got the gear. We might have played on the best surface. It's a legit field. Elite field. Fresno Pacific Field is one of the best surfaces I've ever played on. Yep. Uh, I mean, it's... Maybe other than USDs because you're taking care of it now, right? You know what? The (laughs) amount of blood, sweat, and tears, and that's another thing, too. Like, I'm addicted to field work. So it's... It's pearled out right now. We we, uh, we got a lot of wear and tear on it from the Padres this summer, and then our guys. And, um, just got to make it the best in the nation, man. That's like Jay Johnson told me when he came to visit. He was like, Brigandi, it doesn't look good, this good since you played here, and it's kind of ironic because I know you have something to deal with. It. And it's like, yeah, like, yeah, you take pride in little things. And and I mean, yeah, sorry, I was kind of tangent, but it's it's the same thing, man. It's just the expectation. Like we expect our field to be perfect. We expect our shoes to be clean with scrubbing bubbles before the game we we expect our everything to be tucked in if you're not wearing the right skill attire you have a reminder like it's the little things that add up and make you such a great player so for all the young guys out there like when you show up to the field with your vans untied and your belt not on and your hat on backwards like that is such a red flag to us yeah looking like a slob yeah i mean there's a time and a place never i guess i mean (laughs) however you want to see like when you're in class too like I remember I got I got visited um, by Dean Stotts. He's an old Stanford hitting coach. He's a legend too. And yeah, he was driving by and he just came into my class one day and said, "Hey, Brian, how's it going?" And if I was sitting there with a backwards hat on and I had a headphone in, I was chewing gum super loud. Like he's probably gonna look at me and be like, "Yeah, he's not Stanford material." But I was sitting in the front row. I I was taking notes even though I was not the best student, but I did my best. Keyword I did. I didn't try. I did my best. <laughs> And I was attentive, so so the little things kind of add up. Yeah, that's uh, uh, Coach Coach Hill talks about the power T in class. Where oh yeah, man, you're either in the front row or you're dead middle, working your way up because that's oh, where the teacher's going to see you. <laughs> the power T now is you have your Zoom monitor on. Yep. Because I talk to our players all the time, and they're like, you know, Coach Brigani, how many times I turn on in class, and there's three of us, and I'm one of them with my camera on. And it's like, that's how the teacher's going to remember you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's all about making a positive impact anywhere you can. Yeah, that's, you know, and that's in life too. I mean, if you can just keep showing up, uh, keep bringing your best attitude and effort and be consistent with, you know, everything, it doesn't matter if you, we're going to make mistakes. Uh, everybody makes mistakes. Uh, I like to say head coaches have never made a mistake on the field because that's just never the way they go, you know. But, but we do. But we, we do. We, I've made a million of them, right? And, um, you know, own up to it, move on. Uh, I had a good talk with uh, one of your players today, and we can talk about that off off, <laughs> off mic. I know exactly who it is because I called him first. Uh, I love him. But my son, um, and if he's listening to this, he knows who he is. 
Um, but it was just about, Hey man, you know, you, you have all the talent and all the tools. We just, if we can lock in everything off the field, you know, when the Rangers call, you make sure you you're there to answer, you know, things like that. So, and Hey, if he is listening, I'll, I'll pump him up. He's been doing very well as well. He's, he, he's been very attentive. He's doing the little things, right? He's been doing very well. This is his first slip up in three months. We're really proud of him. Uh, he should be because he's, you know, there and there's a lot of those guys, uh, you know, freshmen that'll come into into school and uh, not saying that he's one of these that thought he was better than it or anything like that. But no. just, um, you know, you have it's your first time away from home. Uh, you're at a new place. Uh, you are your own coach off the field a lot of the time. And, and you guys and a lot of other colleges do a really good job of um, guiding them through that. But there's a pretty steep learning curve once you get there. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, Coach Ungrich and I were talking about this, and he did such a phenomenal job this year. And I, I kind of talk about moving the pedestal gently, mm-hmm. right? I mean, especially at our program and a million other programs, we're getting the perfect games All-American. Their perfect game score is the highest in their position. And so they're just little things with this generation that's just like PBRs pumping them up. They're on Twitter. They're on MLB Edge bullpen banter saying like and it's just these little things and and coach Unger said it so well we were in a meeting with all the young guys all right who's a perfect game all-american and i can't tell you you see their chest pop up their hands shoot up and it's like me and it's like all right how many of you have played an inning of division one baseball <laughs> and then they're, they kind of give us face like well obviously not and it's like okay well you haven't proved anything yet yeah like we don't care like there's a video going around. I saw it on Twitter, and I, I wish I had. I know and what you're the, talking about. <laughs> the kid feels a ground ball, and he sprints towards second base, pro hops, and throws it like 98 miles an hour. And that's the perfect game. And the sad part is, is he's going to be the highest at his position now. Yeah. For that, and and that's he's going to walk around with that big chip on his shoulder, like, hey man, I'm that kid that threw 98 across the diamond. When in reality. I timed it, and I know I just—it's the recruiting side of me. It was seven seconds to first. Oh man! If I'm walking, I get there in six four. And you're not the so, most fleet of foot. <laughs> no, I'm a I'm a big ass dude. I I don't walk the quickest either. I got to hobble. Like I got a million things wrong with me. But it's like I watch that play, and it's like, what does that do? I mean, Ray, we were joking about it. What was it? It was two years ago when we had the the perfect game guys at our field. And we're watching these dudes throw balls into the other bullpen, but it's like 91. Yeah. It's like, I just look at you and go, safe. Do you like, <laughs> do you think that we've put too much emphasis on those numbers as coaches? Uh, I don't want to speak as a whole because I don't. Yeah. Um, I think they're very important. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it, it shows tools, and, and I, I've worked a couple of those events, and I've seen guys with the tools and then throwing and then hitting and fielding. And you know what? It's very helpful. It, it is very helpful never bag on a company like that no no Um, no no not at all i just i just want to watch baseball i mean at the end of the day like there's nothing better than when i get to watch a video of a kid playing in a game yeah yes i get like let's say you send a video ray you send a video to coach ungrich and i and you start in the cage and we just see the fundamentals of your swing i'm like wow he's got got clean hand path he's a to b he's through the ball he doesn't wrap it's not a lot of hook barrel he's actually staying through and he's driving the ball and then you go to game footage, and there's proof of that. That's awesome. That's all I need. And then we can go out and watch you play and talk to you and meet you. And then it comes into the bigger part of our program is the culture. We want to see if you're going to fit into the culture. Are you, are you a good kid? Do you have good grades? Like, What do your friends think of you? How's your family like? 
how's your family life at home? Like, how does everyone get along with you? What does your high school JV assistant coach who taught you how to bunt say about you? Mm-hmm. Like, it's all these little things that kind of come into it. Um, but yeah, it's the, the perfect game thing. I love it because it's like it's sick. Like, it's cool. Like, I never did any of those events because I I was always I was heavily recruited starting like my freshman year of high school, so I never saw like the point and spending the money and doing all that. But I mean, it's cool. Like how often can you walk around and say, I'm the number two ranked position player in my country. Sweet. Yeah, it's sweet. But then when you get to college, you got to realize that that doesn't mean squat anymore. Like there's kids I've seen that go to the, the SEC program. And a year later, coach Unger is like, Hey, look who's in the transfer portal. It's the kid that threw 900 miles an hour from short. Like, yeah. Yep. It just it it doesn't translate all the time. So now, now let's go. Let's continue on this path. Uh, all right. Okay. Uh, a kid sends you an email. <clears throat> mm-hmm. He goes, Coach, really excited about coming to USD. I'd love to check out your program. Think I'd be a great ad. Uh, plus, my exit velo off the tee is ninety eight. I hate that. <laughs> Why? I'm, Ray, Explain. Ray knows me very well. I'm. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an extremely blunt human being. Yep. Um, I'm very to the point. I think, I mean, I was raised by old Italian family, so we're very direct. Yeah. Um, I hate that. Like, like Coach Ungrich is one of the most muscular coaches in the game. And I I can hit decent, too. So if we got on the tee, I bet we can match your 98-mile-an-hour exit. Yeah. Does Has there ever been a time where a kid sent one in, you know, say it's 103 or whatever, that you go, all right, like we got to look at this guy. Yeah. Like if I'm reading the email and there's a number on there that's triple digit, <laughs> I'm checking it out. Yeah. But no, I mean, there was a kid that sent me a video last week and he was, he had all of his numbers and it was, it was cool. It, it was cool. I mean, the world's turning analytic. So is baseball. And um, my buddies of the Padres are saying the same thing to me when I talk to scouts and stuff. It's all analytic based. And um, so it's cool. I get it. But um, prove it. Yeah. Like if you're standing back there with the app you just bought on your phone, it's the the pocket yeah. radar 3.7 and it's an iPhone thing. Like, no bro. Like that's not like <laughs> that major league or whatever that movie is and throwing past the speedometer on the highway. That's not even made. That's field, field of green. But I'm just saying like <laughs> both good movies. Yeah. Both great movies, but it's like, okay, well there's proof there. Like there's, there, that's valid proof. And it's, um, the whole thing, man, it's just, if there's a number that sticks out, great. But if I receive an email and it's, and I can tell, like, cause I understand we've all been there. When you write an email, you, you write it to the head coach, you add the assistant's name and you kind of have like a bulk that you want to send to everywhere, but make it personalized a little bit, man. Like I hate reading emails that are cut and paste and sent to 15 other schools. And we can tell, like, we're not, we weren't born yesterday. Yeah. We played baseball. So we're probably not the smartest of the bunch, but we understand a cut and paste email. Yeah. Like, if you talk about the school, why you would fit, have you visited before, what do you think, favorite part of the campus, you've been to a game, you've seen, like, that's, the personal touches are a care, because, I mean, we're huge on culture, and Ray, you can talk about this, too, like, our culture at USD is the reason why we're the team that we are. Yeah. It's not because we bring in, like, the cream of the crop, the dudes that should have signed for $7.2 million. We're, we're getting very good players. But they're also extremely great human beings. And see, the, the difference there is the human beings is better than the players. I agree. We want we want a team that's extremely cohesive, that gets along, because I would way rather have a team that can play as a unit 
than the individual that can play as an individual. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, you can't win as one, but you can win as a team. So that's why we, we heavily care about that. We want the best for our guys. We want the best humans too. I mean, there was a couple of recruiting trips I did last year with kids on campus that were just like, like, wow, like this, this was the greatest kid I have ever spent three hours with walking around campus. And then just finding out like something happened and it didn't work, but, it, but it's fine. Like, I've talked to kids on recruiting trips that didn't care who I was, yeah. which isn't, which is fine. Like, it's not a shot at me. Like, I don't care. No. But if you overlook the director of player development and the director of ops and it, even you when you walk by, it's like, okay, like this kid's not going to fit. Yeah. You, and, and I, you've done so many of those tours and, and whatnot. And I did the same thing in Arizona and um, coach Johnson over there. Every single time we get back from a tour, they have their meeting, send them off. It was, how was he? How was the talk? Was there any red flags? Yeah. How are the parents? All that matters, oh, yeah. man. Oh, more than you think. And, and that's why it's funny because parents are like, hey, are you ready? The kid should say, are you ready? Yeah. Like, hey, this is a this is a three-person interview, mom, yep. dad, brother, sister. Yeah. Like this isn't like – this is a big deal. I mean it, it's like the same thing when you sign professionally. Like I did a I did a mental health survey for the Phillies. Mm-hmm. I did a psychiatric or a psychological or I can't even speak. A psychological for the Mariners. I I'm not good. I'm not a not I'm an English major. I, I'm not a, I'm dyslexic too. The whole the, the downhill from here. But it's like you do psyche valves for team. Mm-hmm. So this is our version of a psyche valve. You come in, you spend time with us. We evaluate you as a human being, and we want to see who you really are. I mean. There's nothing like my favorite part when I was able to recruit at Mission College in San Jose or Mission College in San Jose and San Francisco State was I loved watching games where they'd go over three. That was my favorite part. Oh yeah. Because I wouldn't be there if they went over three, but if I could watch them how they react and respond. Coach Hill talks about it this year. Are you going to react or are you going to respond? If a coach is getting on you, are you just going to be like, no, I don't like that guy, whatever? Or are you going to respond and prove him wrong? So if a guy yep. strikes out three times and he comes in, he throws his helmet. I see him staring at the pitcher. He's ripping his batting gloves off. It's like, okay, no. But if a guy strikes out and the first thing he does is he goes to the guy and begs, hey, man, that was a really good slider. Like, I didn't see it that well, but expect it. He threw it on the second pitch, and by the way, he's thrown it the third pitch to the last eight hitters. He leads on fastball. He goes to, like, those are the guys you're like, wow, those, those, that's special. Like, you'd be a team player and, but yeah, I remember I watched this kid at San Francisco State. He was elite. He was playing at a junior college up the road. He was batting like 480. And very undersized, very strong, big physical second baseman. And I remember watching him. He punched out his first at bat. And I watched him walk into the dugout, took his helmet off gently, put it on the bench, and he took his bat and smashed <laughs> it. And I remember I stared at him. I packed my backpack and I got in my car and left. We're and I was good. It. I was there for 15 minutes. And I remember calling Coach Bono going, yeah, no. No thanks. No thanks. Not like, yeah, us. the kid rakes, but no, he's going to be a cancer. He's going to tear apart our team. But by the way, they had a pitcher that threw the day before. Yeah, he's got like a 2.6 ERA, but he was in the bullpen as the bullpen coach before the game, and he was running through his notes on the pitchers of the day before. And it's like, wow, that's interesting. Hey, that's the type of kid we want. Yeah. It's the little things, gentlemen. It is the little things. There's a guy, J.J. Matajevic, and I, he was at University of Arizona, He's one of those guys that had a bat that could play, you know, he couldn't play anywhere. You know, there wasn't a solid position set for him when I, when I had gotten there. Um, but man, could he rake, 
and it was it was impressive. And the, I think the coolest thing about it is he might not have been the best second baseman, might not have been the best first baseman, or we stuck him in the outfield, but that dude told you he was the best guy and believed it and worked hard enough at it. And he could go 0 for 3, like you said, three punchies, three brutal at-bats, but that guy walked up that fourth at bat with his chest out and some swagger, you know. There's nothing better than that. Yep. Because I mean, as a pitcher too, when I pitch and let's say I, I got a guy to roll over and punch out, and he's over two, and he comes to the plate and he's feeling his walkout song and he's looking at me, I'm like, really? Like, dude, taste this '94, yeah. please. And he just swings yeah. right through it, and he's like, I'm on it. Like that's that's scary. Like that confidence is yeah. infectious too. Like. A, I've been talking to our guys about it too. Like we go over two two strike approach and when a guy just flips their butt out and throws their hands and swings at a slider, as a pitcher you're like sick. Like that dude's getting second pitch slider next at bat. He's gonna reach outside, then for strike three and throwing a sinker inside and he's done. This guy's boxed. But when that dude's standing up yeah, he's boxed. But when that guy takes a slider and spits on it and it's your best pitch, you just kinda like look at your glove, you're like Oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. Yeah. yeah. You're like, uh, <laughs> like, what do I do? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's the confidence that it's got to toe the line. You do not cross confidence into cockiness. You never do that. That's when you get exposed. You, you stay humble and you stay confident. And that's when life will take you to better places. Love that. Humble confidence, quiet confidence is the best heck yeah um and tuck your chains players if you guys are listening don't have your chains out that's such a pet peeve of mine i don't i don't care how much your 5.99 rite aid fake gold necklace with a cross on it like if you wear a cross jewelry i do too but you tuck it man you don't try to be showy don't be like the guys on tv there's nothing worse than watching a guy play with every single evo shield in the world but all he does is strike out like know who you are like yeah if it's gonna come, if the chain's gonna come out, make sure it's on your trot around third base when you hit it out of the oh, park. Do that. Make sure it's when you hit first base and you do that perfect Kurt Gibson and you pull your elbow in and <laughs> a little it pops pump. out of that time. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay, uh, so sorry, we're we're getting towards the end of this thing, but I wanted to touch on because you have had a myriad of injuries, um, and oh, yeah, and obviously cool. there's a lot of people that are uh, you know kids are getting hurt at a higher rate, um, and that might be because baseballs. A, you know, going to the point where they're throwing you around, too many curveballs, throwing harder at an earlier age. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you have to say for some of those guys that maybe have just gotten injured or are going through the rehab process right now? Because, uh, you know, as a guy that has anxiety and I've never been hurt, I, I can't imagine um, the stress involved in that. So uh, what, what do you tough. say for them? Um, if you're religious, pray. Uh, I'm a very religious person. Uh, all my other coaches know that I'm praying for guys constantly, but pray and just trust it. If you're not religious, trust the process. Um, it's kind of weird because the process isn't your oriented deal. It's from God, but we can get into that another time. But you just trust him, man. I mean, the the hardest part about it is the depression, anxiety. And you know what? I've fought it. Mm -hmm. If I went from saying like, I remember, I had a conversation with my buddy. I, one week in my senior year of high school, I was meeting with Colorado Rockies, and the next week I'm meeting with a surgeon. And, I mean, those are two completely sides of the, the spectrum, man. Like, that's the highest of highs and lowest of lows. So you just got to trust the process. I remember it was my second surgery, and the surgeon told me, hey, you'll never throw a baseball ever again. Um and it probably wasn't the right thing, but when I hit 96, I sent him a text with a picture of the radar gun. 
and I, and I said some words, but you, you, you trust the process of it. it. It's not, you don't give up. No, you just push through it and it will make you stronger. And, and you actually learn more about the game. I credit most of my coaching knowledge to the time where I was hurt. Yeah, I understood the game, but I completely saw it from a different lens. I mean, when you think about it, I watched 102 Division One games over two years. Hurt. In a sling. And I sat there, and I watched every aspect of the game. It wasn't like I was sitting there anticipating when I was going in. I knew I wasn't going in. It wasn't like all of a sudden I was just going to take the sling off and be like, I'm hitting fourth. Like, no. Like, I'm not even on the lineup. So I, I had to watch the game from a different aspect. And elements, and you learn a lot. You learn a bunch from it. But you just have to realize that, like, hey, man, like, it's okay. Everyone gets hurt. Last time you turn on the television, someone gets hurt in a baseball game. It's just kind of how it is. It's a, it's a heavily stressed on your body. You're, the throwing motion's not normal. God didn't create our body to throw. It's not how the shoulder works. So you just got to realize it comes with it. I mean, there's so many people that get hurt every day. And there's two ways you could take it. Poor me, or how do I get better? And the, the poor me guys just keep taking a left turn, Clyde, and get out of here. No one wants to talk to you. No one wants to see you. Just stay in the training room and go to accounting. Just see ya. But the guys that want to get better are in the training room. They're at practice speeding a machine. They're talking to their hitters. And then they pick up a chart. Um, Shane McGuire, he's one of our catchers. Uh, he'll get drafted this year. He's, he's amazing. He's immaculate. Um, the dude was hurt last year with a broken ankle. And he was taking notes on pitchers during games. Yeah. And he was going in the on-deck circle saying, hey, by the way, I see that. That's the guy I want. If I'm going to battle right now, and by the way, we did a little draft this weekend for our teams, and my first pick was Shane. Shocker. Well, Farron's first pick. But, yeah, shocker, huge shocker. But that's the guy I want who picks up things when he's not playing. There's nothing worse when you look across the bench as a coach and there's, let's say, your fifth-string right fielder is just – He's got his back to the game. He's tiling a joke. And then you look next to him when it's your six-string guy, and he's sitting there doing a chart, and he's paying attention. Like, I want that guy in instead of the fifth-string guy. Yeah. So to the guys that are hurt right now, stick to your rehab. Become the best student possible. You have no excuse to fail a class. You can be sitting at rehab with your AirPods in, because I know that's what kids do nowadays, and listening to lectures. Like, it's not that hard. Like, I'm not a huge... I mean, I have a college degree. I worked extremely hard at it, but I have a ton of learning disabilities. But when I was in the training room getting treatment for a game, I was literally listening to biomechanics lectures. Was that because I wanted to? No, that was the last thing I wanted to do. But I needed to pass that class to play. And you know what? I got a, I got a B minus, so I feel pretty good. But you, you need to find a way to be better at the little things. Because, I mean, Ray, you've seen it. Guys, that when you were at Nevada get hurt, and it's like they just kick their feet up, and they're like, well, what would you do the last three months? Well, you know what, dude? I, I got a nicotine addiction. I became an alcoholic. I put on 40 pounds. <laughs> and, and, and it's like you just lose it, and there's no point, and it's frustrating. Sorry. It, it, it's, it's tough for me because it's like there's two ways to take it, guys. You, you could be really good and excellent, or you could just kind of screw up, and you just got to pick a path. Yeah, there's same thing with this COVID deal, man. You have one of two routes. Uh, I actually had a text from a friend who's working in the uh, the athletic department in Arizona, and she had said with this COVID thing, I kind of looked at it as I can come out worse or I can come out better, you know. And 
Uh, it's going to take the effort and, and there's a lot of frustration that comes along with it. But, um, you know, if I can take the high road, the harder route, you know, easy to hard, you know, you guys talk about that a lot, oh. coach Ungrich, coach floor, coach Hill, you know, how do you want it now? You want to, you want it easy now? Cause it's going to be tough later on, or we can grind this thing out. And, you know, when it comes to game time, it, it's a whole different story. Oh yeah. We love it. We love it when our freshmen fail. We love it because that means they're learning now. There's nothing worse than a freshman that comes in and hits 786 in the fall. Because then all of us are like, oh, my gosh, no. Like, no. Like, that sophomore year is tough. The sophomore year. Even that, <laughs> or the first year. Well, that freshman season. Yeah. That first freshman season, he's going he's gonna to play the first 15 games. He's going to get one hit and 42 at-bats. He's going to go up to summer ball. He's going to just struggle. And then his sophomore year is going to come back and be like, what happened? Yeah. It's like, well, you were too confident. You just couldn't adjust. And the pedestal got bigger. Yep. Then all of a sudden when you saw a competition where it wasn't Coach Floor who's calling your weaknesses and you learned how to hit your weakness all fall and someone sneaks a fastball in the outside corner and you just look at it like, I don't want it. And then you swing at the three curveballs in the dirt. You're like, wow, that was a selfish at bat. Thanks, buddy. Yep. Like one out, appreciate it. Like you just go from there, but fail soon. That's that's the one thing I'll find. Just fail. It's good to fail. There's those who are humble, and those who are about to be. <laughs> I uh, I pride myself on humbling. Whenever there's a a young player or even an older player that it's getting a little too comfortable, I'll in a very polite way kind of talk to him like, "Hey man, like you're coming off very bad right now. Like it's pushing your teammates the other way. They're not talking to you as much. I heard off the field they don't want to see you. Like." Let's take a step back. Let's kind of realize who you are again, why you're here, what brought you here, what are your morals, how are your parents, like how were you raised, like little things. Because, I mean, that's the thing, too. Baseball is such a – I mean, you watch on TV. I mean, there's there's certain guys that when they talk in post games, you're like, oh, my gosh, every other word is I, 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 I. And it's like, dude, like you batted four times out of your 27 outs. You were four of them. Just four. And you had one RBI, and your team won by six. So it wasn't an I thing. Yeah. Like, if you want to play the whole game against, like, I just watched a video of you, Darvish, throwing a 94-mile-hour splitter. So it's top of my mind. If you, if you took 27 at-bats against you, Darvish, you maybe get three hits. Do you win a game off your three hits? No. Like, it, it takes everyone else. It takes a walk. It takes a bunt. It takes a hit by pitch. A guy that rolls over but moves him over to third and then the sack fly. Like, so much more than that. Yeah, that's I, I like to, I like saying, and it's a new saying that I've heard is is, do you brighten up a room when you walk in, or do you brighten it up when you leave? Oh yeah, because that'll tell you a lot about what your teammates think of you, and uh, that feeling that you give them is something that's going to last a lot longer than what you do on the field. So. Um, oh yeah, I mean, how do you leave the taste in someone's mouth? <laughs> yeah, like when you leave, are they just like, oh, that guy's a who likes that guy? Or, or it's like, no, we need to hang out with him now. Practice is done now. Let's go get dinner. Let's go to the beach. We're going to play volleyball after. Like, I mean, do you clear a room or do you add more to the room? It's like the same thing. Like, And you were always the it. guy that would walk in and we're like, God, this is our guy. You know what I'm saying? No. no always no, smiling. So. No, I mean, that's what you got to do, man. I mean, no one wants to be around a guy that just sucks energy. I don't want a black shirt. I want that yellow shirt every day. A black shirt, and that's a USD tradition. The uh, DOD, for those of you that 
know what I'm talking about. And the gold shirt would be the you know you the top performer, hardest worker. You did something the day before. I think it's an awesome thing that they do over there, and uh, I'll take that with me forever for sure. Um, and and again, I, it's been so awesome talking to you. I, I talk to you a lot, obviously, but oh, yeah. um, to be able to provide some information for these guys, um, I can't thank you enough. But before you go, uh, and I didn't give you any heads up on this, uh, we do oh, play boy. a game every once in a while uh, with some guys, and uh, you are in. Okay, so we're we're gonna be doing a fast five. Uh, just five mm. questions and you got to deliver your best answer as quickly as possible. Five questions. Are you ready? Uh, the problem <clears throat> is my humor's quick, so it's good. <laughs> well, let's see if you got oh, it. Boy. I hope so. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Name one big leaguer you modeled your game after. Buster Posey. What is one tool you use to clear your mind? Praying. If you had 100 at-bats versus Aroldis Chapman tomorrow, how many knocks? Out of 100? Yep. 40. Jeez, good for you. <laughs> uh, finish this sentence. One of the happiest times in my life was blank. Getting baptized. And lastly, name the one thing that every high school player needs to know before they step on a college campus. You're not that good. There you go. Oh, man, that was pretty clean, dude. Well done. Thanks, man. I, I try to – if we could talk about that last one for a second, you got to – you check yourself at the door. I mean, every player is good. If yeah. you walk in and you, you think you're better than anybody else, like you're going to get ousted by the team. No one's going to care who you are. No one's going to want to talk to you. They're just going to be like, oh, like blah, blah, blah is here. Like, just yep. check yourself at the door, man. It's a clean slate. Hell, yeah. Hey, man, again, I can't thank you enough. We're going to have to bring you back on when we get Austin Byler back in the room, QB Meyer. We're going to have a full powwow here, and and we might have to bring the legend Willie G in. And uh, Coach Ungrich, if you have listened to this point, we'll get you on some point too, buddy. (laughs) I promise. Yeah, I'll make sure I get on two more times before Coach Ungrich does, just so I can put it in his face. But, no, I had a phenomenal opportunity. I think you guys are doing such a great job with Major League U. And, you know, I love it going on Twitter, seeing that stuff that you and Byler are posting every morning, and it's – I don't want to be too biased because, like, you know what? Some mornings I'll retweet it, and then I'm like, man, it's been like six days in a row I've liked their tweets. Like, I don't want people to think that. <laughs> no, man. Hey, Bai loves oh, it. Love it. He, he's like, oh, man, I'm so pumped you're bringing Brigandi on. He he fires me up, dude. He, he'll repost our stuff. He, he's all involved. He, he, he seems to like it. So, uh, no, nah, dude, thank love you it, so man. much for your support. And uh, You guys are going to be doing big things. I, I have a really good feeling about this year, and, the leadership over there, the older guys, even the new guys coming in. Um, it's going to be a wild one for sure, but uh, I'm pumped to be oh, watching. Yeah, we're, can't wait to be in Omaha, man. That We wear a t-shirt every day. or Yeah, it's our strength conditioning shirt. It's Omaha Strong. and it, Guys have kind of used it in the past. It's like, oh, wouldn't it be cool? And this year when I put it on, I'm like, no, it's it's awesome. Like, this is it. Like, we are going there this year. Like, we have all the pieces we need. Guys are working hard, and we're all bought in. So, like, I can't wait, man. You you left one of your Omaha jackets in in my and I actually used to hang it in my locker so I'd see it every day. Yeah. And be like this is where we're going because I mean I tell you when I, every day you wore it I'm like man Ray like I can't wait to get a matching one like I can't wait. It's nice. The the gear you get when you get there is pretty sweet. <laughs> and I'm a gear guy so I'm a little. Oh a little we know we know. Well <laughs> hey brother I can't thank you enough again and uh, you know what good luck finishing out this fall you guys only have another week 
uh, enjoy it, man, because this time goes fast, and you guys are going to be put on this bit of a break here, but uh, we'll have to link up in the off season while you guys got some downtime. Oh, we will. I'll come up, and we'll, we'll golf, and it'll be an amazing time. Watch you hit 400-yard bombs, which is not an <laughs> yeah. understatement. <laughs> Stop. All right, guys. I, I, I golf too much. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. You're good at it. Uh, all right. Well, for you guys listening, I can't thank you guys enough for supporting us and, and for me and Coach Burgandy here. Uh, we can't thank you enough for listening. Uh, I hope you guys should join us again soon because uh, we're going to be bringing some more dudes in like this. Um, and the Toreros are going to be pretty solid this year. Uh, and if not, they have a solid, solid coaching staff that will get them right. I can guarantee that. So. Thanks, Ray. We really appreciate that. From us to you, man. We miss you. We love you. And we can't wait to see you down here. Yes, sir. Love you guys. Uh, God bless, and hope you guys have a great week. See ya.